What's up, gang? Thanks for joining me. A little late. <clears throat> we pretty much missed last week's episode, for, you, for those that noticed. A couple of reasons, if you can't tell, my voice, it's coming back a little bit, but I lost my voice last week, uh, doing, um, had to do a lot of talking uh, this last couple of weeks, and, excuse me, lost my voice, dude. Um, hotels were not helping. And the weather in New York not cooperating yet. Surprisingly cold still in New York for being basically, well, late April into May now. But what the fuck, gang? Where, where's winter? Winter needs to chill out. <clears throat> let's get this, uh, let's get the spring in action. I'm usually not a big fan of summer, but let's warm up a little bit here, gang. It's messing with my, my shit. <clears throat> but. Yeah, voice is messed up. It was, I can at least talk now consistently, but man, there was a couple of days last week where it was like a hard time to really even, <clears throat> to really even have a conversation with anybody, especially if I was out at a restaurant or a bar, I'm like screaming, sound like I'm going through puberty at 35 years old, so my voice is all cracking because it's gone. Anyways, it's getting better, so pardon uh, my voice sounding a little weird at the moment, but I blame the elements but man i mean rough times for the old uh the old portfolio gang um it's kind of been a, re- a rolling theme the last few weeks we're certainly in a bear market at this point stock futures uh well we can't look at them yet actually i was trying to um nasdaq had the worst has had its worst month since 2008 uh, this last month, also, I think Amazon also had their worst quarter since 2008 as well, just to kind of go online. They, uh, we'll get into Amazon earnings a little bit. I think they missed last week. Yeah, they did a little bit on earnings. Um, ultimately, I mean, I guess we'll get into it now. I could, we could go into the Amazon numbers. I think they missed on revenue by a little bit, missed on earnings per share, mainly because of a bad investment in Rivian, which I think is hilarious. Still a fan of, uh, I still am, I still believe in Amazon stock, obviously still believe, like, come on, like, they're still, they're still a massive player uh, in, in e-com, AWS, their streaming service, Amazon Fresh, their Amazon Go stores, there's still a lot going for them, so buy the dip, obviously, but uh, there's still some pain that might be coming, and then additionally, it's like, I just think it's funny that they, they, they took such a hit, hit on Rivian. And it's something we've said on this show for, I mean, since Rivian's been around, I've been talking shit about them, basically. It's also an ugly truck. It's just an ugly car. If you see the thing, it's just gross. But anyways, we've talked about Rivian at nauseum in previous episodes. I don't think it's going to get much better, that investment. I don't know what Amazon's doing or thinking. It's kind of, it is like, I don't have a, a t- Amazon's not massive in my portfolio. It's pretty, it's higher up there, but it's not like, massive in my portfolio i always reiterate it's the number one company held by hedge funds so you're never going to lose with a company like that that's that much power behind it but you're seeing a lot of pain especially in tech obviously this reason's the same as always we have a lot of inflation going on we have a lot of you know a lot of companies being punished for the 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 pandemic stuff being it's so funny how like now the pandemic is we're coming out of it it's like investors don't believe in tech anymore. They're like, all right, compute, let's go back to value stocks. Like, I guess now that the pandemic's done, we don't believe in Google anymore. It's like, what? It's just silly to me. But that's kind of why 
I, you know, I, I make, make this point just cause it's like, I mean, are these companies really going to be dead now because yeah, they're slowing down a little bit of revenue. Like, yeah, Amazon's not going to have as much revenue this year as they did during COVID. Does it mean the stock's worth half? No. Same with companies like Square or like PayPal. Um, or even like Shopify. Again, we talk about Shopify. Again, just getting absolutely pummeled. Shopify hitting like 420 almost on Friday. You know, we love 420, but not like that. But again, it's getting to a point now where it's like, shoot, I, I, I keep talking about how I've been building capital for options trading, but man, it's hard to ignore some of these long-term prices. I really do feel like we're going to hit some resistance soon here for a lot of these these companies where it's like, even if you're trying to drive prices down, it's like, how do you not pick up some of these these companies at these prices? So keep an eye, I mean, really keep an eye on everything. This is a time where, and if, by the way, things are bad now. But if we really do hit like that doomsday, whatever the shit they keep talking about, all this like massive recession stuff, if we really do roll into a a recession, like this could be a time to become a millionaire, truly. If we do, if things continue to go sideways and we do hit a recession, truly save as much fucking money as you can because you could become a millionaire this time around. Looking back at what happened during COVID, you know, I look back in my portfolio then to now, and if I could do the same thing, if what I have now I could do I did during COVID, I would certainly be a millionaire. And so that's kind of how I I'd always say to approach these things, especially when things are, you know, we're in bear markets and there's corrections going on. That's when it's like, don't look at dollar amount in your account, look at share count. How many can you add? Because it's going to come back up. So look at how many shares you can get. And then think of the intrinsic value of your portfolio. That's the way to approach it, honestly. And then additionally, buy puts. As our our good friend Keanu says. Keanu trades. Options master. Buy some puts, baby. You know, things are going to go sideways. Buy some puts. Speaking of companies that have been absolutely destroyed too. Netflix. Still taking a shit. Uh, it's at 190. Wait, is it? Yeah, sub 200. We'll see what next week. Uh, what next week holds, but it's getting to that point now with Netflix where it's like, do you think? Do I? I mean, I, I'm just myself. It, it becomes more of a buyout tar- buyout target. Now it's a huge company. It's 85 billion still, but still, when I see those kind of things, I'm like, ooh, potential buyout target. Again, I always say like Apple has more than that in cash on hand. I don't think Apple's going to buy Netflix, but uh, Amazon could afford it. Some of these bigger companies could afford it. So it's like if Elon Musk can buy Twitter, uh, a, a bigger corporation, a bigger company can buy Netflix. Uh, and speaking of the Elon Musk Twitter thing, I mean, egg on my face. I totally thought that wasn't going to happen. Now I wanted it to. I think it'd be great. I mean, not that Twitter's that big of a deal anyways, but... I like the idea of Elon owning Twitter, not for any reason of like where I think he's going to dominate it, like, you know, use it to uh, bring people back on, you know, bring, although I do think everyone should be on Twitter, you know, I think it's kind of funny that uh, people are so scared of Donald Trump being on Twitter. It's like, look, man, people should be allowed to say what they want. It's up to us to decide if we believe that person or not. Oh, we got to stop the spread of misinformation. Look, man, that's impossible. Try, it's like bottling the air. 
you're not gonna now that the internet with technology the way it is and with information spreading the way it is and the internet everything the way it's set up misinformation is going to happen we're not going to stop it and to try to police misinformation in the process of doing that you're just going to overstep your boundary and just start cutting out too much shit i mean i know comedians that are no-name comics who have videos pulled off of youtube for even suggesting certain things i mean nick mullen went on his twitter uh or his social media a couple weeks ago for a video where he was doing a joke and like drew talked like draw drew like half a swastika in a sketch and they cut the stat they youtube took it off he's just making a joke you know just being a goof being silly and so it's not about it's just like but that's that's what happens when you try to police everything you 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 take away the fun stuff you take away some of this you you overstep your boundary and i think that's destined to happen if we keep going down this way so i like that elon bought twitter to help fight that if he brings back trump who gives a shit but trump should be allowed to be on there it is kind of spooky that a sitting u.s president got completely wiped from the internet that's a little spooky just is whether you agree with him or not it's a little weird and so I just think it's funny, and it's funny to how much how mad people are getting about Elon buying it. I've just noticed this too, by the way. Uh, people, a lot of people get mad at Elon Musk for a lot of reasons. They get mad at people like me for not hating him as much as they do. Uh, but what I've noticed, most people that hate on him uh, do not invest in anything. Um, usually, are not the happiest of people. Uh, very into politics, usually far left, usually. All those things. Um, and so they get mad at Elon because he represents something that they're against. Like he represents what they hate, I guess. And it's a little misguided. The anger is misdirected. You know, Elon spent $44 billion of his own money on Twitter. Yet, you know, 50 some trillion was spent. I mean, how much How much they spend <laughs> or our budget? I mean, trillions of dollars. Trillions of dollars is wasted by politicians all the time you know and so it's like you're gonna get mad at elon for spending his own money and not fixing the world problems while you know congress churns through trillions of dollars not doing anything but no one gives a shit about that and by the way that's your money that's your money that's being wasted and not being put to good use. But God forbid Elon spends his own money for Twitter. And also, who gives a shit about Twitter? I'm getting mad about it. Everyone's getting... Like, I made a, a post about uh, this whole thing saying people getting mad about... Oh, people upset about Elon Musk buying Twitter is very... I have to speak to the manager energy. Because it is. Who gives a shit? A lot of people that got mad at him buying Twitter too were like stay-at-home moms who even have fucking Twitter. Like What? Twitter is not that big of an audience to begin with. Everyone that's getting mad doesn't even have it. All the people that I saw getting mad don't even have a Twitter account. <laughs> so it's like, you're mad that he bought Twitter. It's like, the audience on Twitter is not as big as you think, by the way. And are we going to talk about, uh, hey, Jeff Bezos still owns the Washington Post. That's way more concerning in my opinion. Or it's way it's way more concerning that Bill Gates is buying up all the farmland than Elon buying garbage Twitter. Like, stay focused, gang. Getting mad at Elon while like 
Congress, real lawmakers, aren't doing shit with your money and are making so much goddamn money on options trades they could care less. Honestly, if the if the society knew how options trades work, I think that's that's why like that's why Congress gets away. A lot of these like Pelosi and a lot of these people get away with like doing as much trading as they do. Is half the country doesn't even more than half the country has no idea how options work. If they really did, they'd be really pissed. Anyways, um, I just found that fun. How mad people got about it. It doesn't matter. Twitter's not big of an audience. Let him do it. He can have it. Who cares? My whole thing was simply, I just didn't think it was going to happen. I did not think the board of directors were going to let it happen. Jack Dorsey had talked about the board at Twitter and how they were kind of like dumb. (laughs) And basically uh, called them out a couple of times on Twitter since he had left the company. By the way, I think it's great. You know, if you guys remember Elon Musk, his actual title with the SEC is Techno King, not CEO. And Jack Dorsey switched his over at Block. He is no longer the CEO of Block. He is Blockhead, which I think is great. Um, Elon, of course, tweeting to Jack Dorsey that he enjoyed that name, that switchover. And hey, while we're at it, Block, it's like 100 bucks a share. Snag some of that shit. It's been a rough, like again, it's been it's been rough. Stocks this year have lost more than $5 trillion in market value, which is more than the amount lost in the entire dot-com crash. Now keep in mind, uh, that doesn't mean that this current correction is as, or this crash, if you want to call it, is as severe as the as the the dot com crash because we're dealing with a lot. Markets are a lot higher now, so it's like yeah, they've lost more, but they're also been worth a lot more. But it's just crazy to think that in this this year alone, they've they've lost more in market value than the entire dot com crash. Kind of tells you how much money is being thrown around here, and just and it is kind of putting in perspective just how a little uh, like kind of severe this current correction is. But if we still see like if it keep, we still see more pain going into this week, I feel like you're really gonna see like some of these, some of these are gonna hit like a real a real hard floor. I do think that after the Twitter buy, Tesla took a lot of a hit. Now investors were kind of freaking out, thinking like Elon's gonna be distracted by running Twitter, and Tesla's not gonna look. Man, Elon's not on the assembly line at at Tesla these days. He's not on the front lines. Of course, he helps a lot. He's, he's influential there, but he's not like the main. I don't think. I really don't think he's the main guy there. He, how could he be? I'm sure he helps steer the ship, but he's been busy with SpaceX, the Boring Company. Now he's buying Twitter. He's all over social media doing. I mean, it's like, come on, the guy is like. He's not doing everything over there, um, but. The stock took a, a hit because investors think it's gonna be distracted. Also, I think the real reason it was all—I st- mean, everything was taking a hit—but I also feel that Wall Street and, and big money was trying to hit target twi- uh, Tesla and Elon, particularly because they're just annoyed with them. They don't like it, and these cost a lot of short investors some money. People have tried to bet against the stock. He's really burned them in the last uh, few years, at least the last two and a half or so. And so, I think they're trying to get to him. Also, Elon, when he bought Twitter, was forty-four billion, right? And so he put of that of that forty-four billion, like twelve, I think twelve of it he bought on margin, and he had to use 
like 60 billion worth of Tesla shares to leverage it, to leverage that extra 12 billion in cash. And so if Tesla goes below, I believe like 570, he'd get margin called for 12 billion, which is hilarious. I mean, balls of steel for one. I mean, Elon can find a way to make the money if he needs to. He can just sell more stock if he needed to make up the cash. But buying a junk of that on margin. And I think Wall Street finding that out, we're like, cool, let's try to crash Tesla down. <laughs> let's get let's get Elon mar let's get Elon margin called. But that's I mean, barring I mean uh, any hey, anything can happen in the stock market, but I just don't think the days of Tesla at five seventy are gonna come around much anymore. It could though. The fifty two week low is five forty six, so it's it's in the realm. But I just don't, I think we're past those days, especially talking about the earnings. We talked about the earnings last week. If you don't have Tesla stock, this is a good time to get some. I know I talk about buying it all the time, but sub a thousand's a deal. Sub 900's a real, a real no-brainer. Um, but especially looking at what we talked about their revenue numbers last week, I mean, going up 600% on profit, 600% on revenue, and only paying an extra 15% of operating expenses it's really incredible. Most people don't understand the variable cost mo variable cost model of doing business, where the more money you make, the more expenses you incur. So to 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 make that much more money and to only incur an extra fifteen percent in operating expenses is quite crazy. So after that earnings report, just seeing it continue to go down is like kind of silly. So take advantage of it if you can if everyone i know every long-term invest uh tesla investor i know is buying tesla shares so again i'm not using the, the capital that i have now is going towards options for the moment so i'm not buying but it's like ah man i might have to try to throw a few extra bucks over there just to um just because it's such a kind of an undeniable price right now not just tesla but a lot of stuff um Speaking of options too, I mean, going through, I, I, I've started to do a little more real trading, still mostly paper. I, I made a hundred dollar trade while I was at the baseball uh, Yankee game this last week. Never been to Yankee stadium and just went this last week for the first time. Beautiful park. I mean, it's funny. I've been a Tigers fan. Well, here's the thing. My baseball fandom has kind of been all over. I grew up a big Cleveland Indians fan. I know they're called the Guardians now, but it's, I, I forget they are half the time. But I grew up a big Cleveland fan because my, my mom's family was from there. And so I'd visit my cousins in Cleveland all the time, go to fantasy baseball camp for Cleveland Indians fantasy baseball camp, went to a ton of games. They were good back in the day. Um, which, funny enough, connection, I had, friend, I had a drink with a friend of mine who is her ex-husband was like the president GM of the Indians at that time. So funny how that Weird how life works. <laughs> um, anyways, that that was a big Indians fan. I was a kid. Then, you know, Tigers, because you know, live from Michigan. Watched them in high school. Go to Tigers games when I was in high school with my friends. Then I lived in L.A. for so long. Was a Dodger fan. Cause I watched so many Dodger games. So I like. I mean, and I don't know who. It's like I have a couple. I mean, really, it's Detroit, Detroit Tigers, and Dodgers are my teams. And then whoever's doing better is who I pull for. Honestly, my brother was at the Dodger game the other night. It was Dodger Tigers, and even he was kind of thinking the same thing. He's like, I want to root for Detroit, but they're also dog shit. I'm going to be at Dodger Stadium. He's like, ah, I'll probably root for the Dodgers. Um, 
but it was cool to go to a Yankee game. I, I'm not traditionally a, I'm not a Yankee fan by any stretch. I actually usually only talk shit about the Yankees and hate on the Yankees. But really cool park. Super easy to get to on the train. I couldn't believe it. That was dope. Um, and then really just great fans. Not going to lie. Really good fans. Really into it. Respectful. Funny. I mean, funny, I say funny because we were sitting in right field, which if you go to a baseball game, one of the most fun things you can do is sit in like the lower rows in right field or uh, yeah, in right field and yell at the right fielder. It's amazing because they can hear, they very clearly hear you. They're right there. They're like 20 feet away. Um, and so we kept tackling Anthony Santander from the Baltimore Orioles, their right fielder. So like a, <laughs> some kids behind us were uh, like these guys behind us were yelling stuff out at him, and we would you know also we jumped in on that because why not? I remember doing this in high school to JD Drew when he was playing for like the Boston Red Sox. We would like me and my buddies heckled him for like seven innings, eight innings. They pulled him in the eighth inning. He finally had enough. Anthony Santander though, he was a good sport about. And here's the thing. When you're when you're heckling, you gotta be mindful that you're at like a baseball game with kids and shit. You can't be screaming out like, "Hey, fuck you!" And that's not clever. It's kind of crass. I mean, anyone can do that. You can't just yell that shit out. You gotta be more clever with it. You gotta be funny. Like some of the ones I remember, we'd yell out like Anthony Santander, and then whatever. So the one would be like, uh, "What was one of my fi- favorite ones?" The guys behind us that had a really good one. They yelled out, uh, "Anthony Santander loved the end of Game of Thrones." Or uh, Anthony Santander can't parallel park. <laughs> Anthony Santander eats his pizza with a knife and a fork. I think the ones I contributed, mine were, and I couldn't really yell. I didn't have my voice. So I had to give them to my friend Chris. Like, hey, you yell these, but I don't know. <laughs> I can't. I can't yell with my voice. Uh, mine were funny enough. Now that I'm back on Android, Anthony Santander uses Android. Uh, now that I'm back on iPhone, sorry. I said, um, and that did that. That was a crowd fave. Because everyone loves iPhone, you dorks. Look, I'm back on the iPhone juice. I get it. The iPhone's sweet. But we shouldn't care if people use Android, okay? But I knew it would be a good ju- I knew it would work, and it did. The other one that I had was uh, Anthony Santander uses his mom's Netflix password. So shit like that, you know, fun shit that's just like silly but funny. Uh, he liked a few of them. You could, he would kind of turn around and comment. Or not comment, but he'd kind of like give us looks. Or like a thumbs up. Uh, mainly, <laughs> he got mad at one. Someone yelled out. Uh, I forget. It wasn't one of my. It wasn't my friend. I think it was the guys behind us. Someone yelled out. Anthony Santander, peace, sitting down. He didn't like that one. He like kind of like gave us a gesture of like, hey, there's kids around. But it's like, dude, that wasn't even that. That wasn't even that bad. He just didn't like that one. But that's the way to. That's the way to do it. Go to a baseball game, heckle the players, and uh, do some trading. I made like a, a square trade at the game for you know a hundred bucks lunch money as the the fellows would say, and my buddy Chris won five hundred dollars, while because he bet like a he had like a parlay on the I forget what it was, it was like he had to have like a certain amount of strikeouts he took the over, on runs and there was tons of runs scored, he had to have like one guy hit on base I forget what I mean I'm not a big sports better he was explaining it to me, but he won five hundred. It's a different version of options trading, sports gambling, which is funny. There's a channel for sports gambling or for, yeah, for uh, sports betting in uh, the Discord, the account of Discord, because a lot of options people, not all, but some are, uh, they're gamblers and they like to gamble. Uh, my That's not my game. I always say I don't, I don't do any sports gambling because I get enough thrills in the stock market. 
that's how I do my gambling. But hey, cool that my buddy won five hundred, you know, yeah, for that game. But uh, I'll stick to my options game. Speaking of, you know, still going through the education stuff. Done with my my Japanese candlestick book. Uh, through the Champions Vibe. Uh, his YouTube, his free trading course. <coughs> Excuse me. Thought I had another one in there. Nope, just one. Um, great. His course, it's uh, Champions Vibe. I'll, I can link it if anyone wants it. Send it to me. But Champions Vibe from the Discord, his YouTube channel, which is just Champions Vibe. Go through his free trading course. Finish that. That's super dope. I'm also gonna go through Bueller buys his course. And that's not a freebie. I think that's like a $400 course. I don't have it yet, but I'm going to get it probably the next week or so and slam through that. I know Keanu talks about that was like his, that was like his, like, uh, he says Bueller's his Miyagi. Like that's what really got him um, kind of in stride. So I think I'm going to do Bueller's course next. I do follow his Instagram, his Twitter, all this, his, his Discord, social media stuff, and so I think, but I've just heard great things. So I think that's one I might invest in. And of course, I'll let you guys know how that goes because, and then even today I was just like, what I've noticed too from a lot of these traders too, is just, just knowing the stuff, but really just studying, like practice studying. Once you've learned like the, once you've learned the terminology and stuff, stuff that, which I've done, I'm just trying to know, like memorize patterns. Like I was making note cards today of patterns, just drawing them out. Uh, on note cards and then writing behind what they are and what they meant, what kind of pattern they are. are. They a reversal pattern? Are they a continuation pattern? So being able to not, and identify those quicker and have those jump out of the page, jump off the chart is kind of what I'm going for. And thanks to Japanese candlesticks, I think I finally have realized that I, I think that Japanese food might be my favorite food just because I've, I've realized with enough, and I think I may have said this on previous episodes, but I've just, Japanese culture has it figured out, all right? It's, just that, it's that simple. Everything they do is to the nines. The Japanese, like, chefs, the way they do their, prepare their food. They have the best knives in the world. They have the best, the Japanese candlesticks have been around since, like, like for centuries. And they're still used by, like, traders all the time. Um, I'm getting into anime because of it. But I do think Japanese cuisine might be my favorite. The more I think about it, having a ton of ramen in New York, just had the best one of my life. There's, a, there's several that I love around the city. Uh, Apudo, Minka ramen's always been my favorite. Marufuku in the village. But the one, that, I don't even know what the name, I got to look it up. It was so traditional, it was so good. Oh, cla- oh Ichiran. Ichiran and uh, there's only three in New York. The only ones outside of Japan. It was the first rest. It was the first ramen restaurant to win a Michelin star in 2016. You go in there, you sit at your own little cubicle, like a little like desk almost. It's very Japan. They serve you a little ramen, your little like little treasure chest <laughs> that they give you on your in your little uh, cubicle. The ingredients on the side. It's amazing. Their noodles are prepared in house every day and each blend is adjusted for the day's temperature and humidity it's like crazy that's japan that's so japan to do that like would it be good if you didn't do that sure but let's make it perfect let's go crazy with it that's like such a thing and it's like so i'm starting to realize I'm like man they got it figured out might be my favorite food ramen kobe beef that they make oh my gosh wagyu beef the steaks holy shit sushi i mean come on all the fish that they make 
Poke bowls. It's, it's amazing. Japan might be it. Might be the move. <laughs> I'm not moving to Japan, but damn. I just think they've they've got the whole culture figured out. And I did start reading. I mean, I've been watching it, but I started reading anime Attack on Titan. I mean, holy shit, this is some good stuff, guys. This is wild. I actually do need to go through and sell a bunch of comics. I need to sell like a good $500 or $1,000 to the comic books. I always track my collection. And once it gets to a certain point, I got to sell it off so I can buy more stocks. And honestly, now that shit, dude, now that stocks are taking such a hit, I need to sell off some stuff I don't care about to just turn that money into stocks because I just, I know it's a good opportunity right now where if I can just add to some of these positions, if I can find ways to get more capital and just extra cash and buy these things up, damn, I could really set myself up. I'm 35, right? By 40, I want to be work optional. We got five years and you know what? Let's try to do it faster. I think we can do it. And by the way, just all this time I'm spending in New York, I, I've, I've realized, I think this might be the move. For real, East Coast. I think that's got to be where I, that might be where I land here after this summer. We'll do a Michigan summer, white boy summer. You know, it's gonna be a good time. We're gonna try not to break any bones this year. I'm gonna go skydiving again, I think. But after Michigan summer, I think East Coast is where I gotta be. It's where I feel the most productive. It's where I feel the most uh, happy. That's for sure. Comedy scene there is incredible. The restaurant scene. I, I like I have to be on like an East Coast or Central Coast time zone for trading. I could maybe do mountain time, but it's a stretch just to do it consistently. If I'm going to be doing stand up at night, I can't be getting up at 5 a.m., 6 a.m. to look at charts and to look at like pre-market. I can't I can't do that, but I can totally do 930 because even if I have a, a night where I'm out of the, at a comedy club till midnight, 1 a.m., I don't drink a ton, especially if I'm doing stand up. I'm, you know. I can get up early enough, get up at 8, 8.30, be ready for trading. But outside of that, I don't know. And I just feel like when I'm in New York, I feel like anything's possible. I know that sounds silly, but the energy of that city, or the energy of the city, it's like when I'm walking around, it's like you do feel like kind of powerful. At least for me, I do feel like this power coming from the city where it's like, man, I can do anything. Because I look at some of the like the apartments or the, and the penthouses and all that stuff, and I'm walking around. You see all these things and you, you see it, it runs the gamut of like what everyone has. You see like the wealthiest of wealth and just working class and, and, and desperate too. You see homeless. But it's like to me when I see someone with all those means, I just kind of think and this could be it, it's probably definitely an ego thing. But it's like when I see someone with all that money, I'm like, well, there's no reason I can't do that. That's what I think. I'm like, they just worked harder, or smarter. One of the two, usually the latter. You know, most people that have that kind of money aren't going into work, or, you know, working like an hourly wage or something or working even on a salary. So when I see that, I kind of just think like, oh, well, they can do it. I can do it, too. It kind of elevates your game a little bit. You're kind of around more like minded people. And to be like versus especially like versus L.A., I spent a lot of time in L.A. and versus New York. It's like L.A. is a great place, but the people of L.A. don't motivate me like people of, of, of New York. You know, you can, you can kind of be a broke ass in L.A. and get by. You can kind of be a degenerate piece of shit and get by in L.A., honestly. You can live deep valley, get a cheap car, groceries aren't that expensive. But in New York, it's like, hey, man, you have to be at a certain level because you can only you can only get so far away from the city. There's not much real estate. You can't go too far out. 
you know, so you're, you're going to be paying some money and then grocery stores are crazy expensive. You don't have a car, but trains aren't too cheap. I mean, they're definitely cheaper, but, um, my point being is New York is far more expensive. So, so there's like a certain level of like, there's like a certain bar that you have to be above just to exist in New York. I mean, every time I step outside, I spend like 50 bucks, I swear. <laughs> but that's what I think keeps the city special to me is the fact that like it does keep out some of the riffraff. Not all of it, but a lot. And and the comedy scene is just, the it's like New York comics are the best. And a lot of my comic friends who have moved from the West Coast to New York cannot say better things about it. I was at Gotham last week. Josh Adam Myers was closing the show. I've known Josh for over a decade. Sweet guy. Always been so sweet to me. Always been a great person. And he's been just leveling up over the last few years. And he now lives in, in New York full time. Even in the East Village. My favorite neighborhood lives in the Vill- East Village. Right on the border of the East Village. And he just could not say enough good things about it. And all the stuff that I agree about New York. And... You know, really just kind of, we ended up talking till man, we, were, we got kicked, not kicked out, but they were kind of like, all right, guys, got to get home. We're, we're kind of got to close up. That's how long we were talking after the show at Gotham. And, you know, along with my buddy Chris Milhouse saying the same thing to me, like, hey, man, you got to get out here. You got to be here. Like, it's just, that's kind of the, that's kind of the, the overall theme. Talking to all my friends, hanging out this week, last few weeks. And I'm still not going to have time to see everyone that I wanted to. That's what's crazy been in New York for almost a month and I'm still not going to have remotely enough time to see the people I wanted to most, but not everyone. And so it's like, this is just, I love it. I was always hesitant. I've been hesitant to come back to a, 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 an expensive city like LA or New York. So I, you know, but it's like, I, I had those has those, those hangups because when I was in LA, LA was so like feast famine. Like I was, it was good and bad. It definitely shaped who I was. It made me a man. It made, taught me a lot of things, but there was a lot of dark times there. And so part of me is like, ooh, I don't want to go back to a big, rich city grind again. But I know I'm different now. I'm older, wiser, got a little more cash in the bank, a little more stability there. So, you know, I think that's got to be the move. So if you know if you know someone, I actually have a few leads on some places already, but uh, I'm not going to move until the fall because New York rents are... Uh, this is like not a good time to, to rent there from what I, the word on the street from what I'm getting from friends. But also it's um, I got to enjoy white boy summer. You know, we got to enjoy the Michigan summer one, uh, you know, why not? You got to do the Michigan summer and then I'll, I'll go from there. So this fall going into winter, I think I'm going to check out a place and be in New York for a little bit, baby. Why not? And I know you don't have to be on Wall Street these days to trade. You don't actually have to go into Wall Street or to the New York Stock Exchange to be a trader. But there's just something about it. There's something about being in Manhattan and near Wall Street that just makes you want to be better at. It makes you want to be a better trader. It makes you want to level up. It just makes you sharper. It makes you want to focus more on that shit. And so I, I want to be near that. I want to make sure I, I just, I feel like I always tell people, be where you can be the most productive version of yourself. I've been telling a lot of my comedian friends that who have left LA, went to other cities, it's like, look, man, if you think you can be more productive in Austin, Texas, or back in Chicago, or wherever you're from, go for it. But if not, it's a lateral move. But be where you can be the best version of yourself. It's that simple. And so that's that's what I'm going to take with it. That's that's how I'm approaching where I'm going to end, end up post-pandemic now that we're coming out of this shit. Oh, and before I forget, I got to make sure I mention I'm obsessed. Like, I love, I, I'm back on the iPhone juice, like I said. 
I'm back drinking the sauce, but it's annoying how much I love Apple Pay. Like, I, it's genuinely frustrating how much I like it, especially for the subway. Oh my gosh, just hold your phone. I, I, I haven't had to reload. A, I never have to reload a subway ticket in my life. I do keep my Metro cards, but I have two Metro cards in my wallet that I'm going to use as bookmarks. Well, one's now in my Attack on Titan books. But Metro cards are now, they're just fun bookmarks. I don't have to reload them anymore. I can use my phone. What an incredible time. Uh, and also, before I got here, Keanu sent me this from Twitter. It's like a chart of, so in line with how bad things have been going. Like, so remember, if you remember to start the year, the NASDAQ had its worst start to the year since 19, I think 80 something. It was within my lifetime. I was born in 87, but the NASDAQ had its worst, its worst January in my lifetime this year. And then the S&P 500 through the first 82 trading days of the year, which we're at, the worst performances from 1928 to 2002. So if you look at from 1932, there's five different years here. It's kind of a weird chart to explain without a visual. But essentially what they're saying is one, two, three, four, five. So there's five times that they're, they're tracking price return for the first 82 trading days. In 1932, it was negative 28%. 39, it was negative 17%. This year, negative 13.3%. 1942, negative 11.9%. 1970, negative 11.1%. So those are the five worst 82 and starting days of the year. The price turn for those full years, every single time they turn positive. So going from negative 11% to positive 12%, negative 11% to 0%. Negative 17%, negative 5%, negative 28%, negative 14%. All increases. But more importantly, that price turn from day 83 to year end is averaging about 20%. So far, when you for those five examples, 18%, 14.7%, 27.5%, 12.6%. So based on this little graph chart here, we should get... From, from now to the end of the year in the S&P 500, a return of anywhere from 10 to 30% based on what this is saying. So, hey, food for thought. Could be right, could be wrong. Doesn't matter either way because we're going to stay in our long-term positions and make our money with options or, you know, extra money with options because you make money in the long-term portfolio as well. All right, that should be it for this week. We'll be back with more. Sorry, this was late. And well, not even late. We just kind of missed last week. I had too much. I really could be, could not even talk. I was going to do it late last week, but I would have sounded insane. And I still sound kind of insane already. But it would have been way worse. So thanks for sticking with me. We're going to do a, a, We're going to try to do an extra episode this week, hopefully with Keanu. So if you have questions about options specifically, like I know I have a list of, op- of questions I'm going to be asking him. But if you have extra stuff or questions about options trading specifically, Shoot them to me before Wednesday. I think we're going to try to do an episode together on Wednesday, tentatively, fingers crossed, if not late in the week. So if you have questions specifically about options trading or whatever, getting in the Discord, send me those before Wednesday and we'll bring them up. But either way, you'll see that. So we'll do an extra episode this week. That is the plan. All right, gang, be safe, trade safe, have fun. Bye.